It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Collider Ladies Night. I have another WandaVision guest on the show, and I couldn't be more thrilled about it. Tiana Paris, hello. How is everything? I am doing amazing. Excited to be joining you tonight. Yes, it's good. We are going to have a good time. And we are kicking it off with our fancy new Ladies Night Dice Tower. I'm greedy and I never get enough interview time to <laughs> season all of my questions. So this Dice Tower forces me to come up with eight questions and roll the die only three times and at least start with that. Okay. You're going to have to trust me rolling myself. Okay. One here. We got a two. A two is what we're calling never again. What is something you did for a role that makes you say, I'm glad I did it, but never again? Use my own hair. <laughs> you let them use my hair. Oh, it was painful. You, the, what, the spray, the dye, the, the fry, the everything. You come out bald-headed. Yeah, never again. No, we could, there are plenty of wigs and weaves. Let's use those. Next one up. We got an eight. An eight. Oh, I feel like I like the, the serious uh, craft questions. You're getting a lot of my, my silly ones right now. This is a would you rather question. Would like you rather have to fake sneeze or fake vomit in a scene? Sneeze, sneeze. Can you do a convincing fake sneeze? You knew what was going there. Uh, I didn't know you were gonna go there, but I, you saw me try to practice. Like, would I like that better? Okay. <laughs> that looked like I just threw a bunch of shit out. You had a winner there. I would have believed that. The truth is my sneeze is way more aggressive and devastating in real life. So that was my cute, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> sneeze. <laughs> I have a cat in my lap right now and I'm highly allergic to him. So you'll get a very authentic sneeze at some point. Oh, no, what's his name? His, his name is Dewey. Oh, now, now I got it. This is, this is Deputy Dewey. <laughs> Look my, at me. He's my little assistant. 
If, if I let him sleep on my lap, he doesn't want to touch the dice tower. So it's a good arrangement we have going on here. Perfect. All right, number three. We got a six. Six is, oh, I like this one. It's an MCU question. What is the best piece of advice you got about first joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe? To have fun, to have fun. I think, you know, when I got it, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's exciting. Um, but then there's also, it's, it can be very daunting and just, it's, it's huge. And so uh, a good friend of mine, um, Mackie, Anthony Mackie, I'll just say yes, uh, our Captain America, he, he was like, make sure you have fun have fun. It's good. It's a good time. Good people have fun. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Cause you know, he could see the stress just, ah. but, um, but yeah, I like hearing that. I feel like with every single MCU ladies night we've done recently, every single person just stresses, you know, the good vibes. And especially when it comes to such a high pressure franchise like that, it, you know, as a fan, even it makes me feel good that that's the kind of environment they have going on over there. Yes, it's, it's been wonderful, really, really, really supportive. And um, it, them just, their excitement about their slate and the characters they're bringing in and just all of us across the board, um, just supporting and being excited for one another. All right, we're gonna start with some credits here and we're gonna go with your very first TV credit. I, I know you had made some shorts before The Good Wife, but is there anything about that particular show that looking back, makes you say, I'm so glad that my first major TV appearance was that show with those people. I mean, yeah, it was the best show, one of the best shows on television. And for me to have booked a role and I just remember how excited I was and there was the possibility that they were like, we might bring her back for another episode. And I just remember praying so hard, maybe they'll bring her back. It never happened, but it was a good time. And I actually, on that show, got to work with uh, Brian Tyree Henry. I put him in jail. Uh, and so that's where we first met. Uh, I mean, we've known each other through the theater world, but uh, we got to work together there. And then I've seen him throughout my career. Well, I know him, but, you know, we've gotten to work together other times throughout my career. So, um, yeah, if we're going through the credits, I'm going to pop back up when he's around too. He is, he is one of my absolute favorites. He's such a delight to talk yeah. to. So I often like talking about bumps in the road on this show. So you just brought up the possibility of you coming back for another episode of the show, and that's early on in your career. So I imagine that comes with some excitement and anticipation. When it doesn't happen, are you super bummed or are you kind of, you know, focused on forging forward regardless? Oh, no, there's been times where... I have been super bummed. Um, I definitely think when, you know, starting out every, we, I know I put a lot of pressure on myself for every job to be the job that now I don't have to think about if I'm going to make rent or if I can get a car that's going to actually run <laughs> and not break down. So it, it was a lot of pressure because you're broke you're hungry, you got a bunch of people you're living with, whatever the case is. And so it was very devastating most of the times to not get something. What I have learned in hindsight, looking back on those uh, moments is that it truly was always for the best. And that, you know, it, it worked out in my favor, no matter if 
it didn't work out. You know what I mean? Um, just looking back like, oh, I wanted that so badly. But if I had gotten it, I wouldn't have been able to do this, which is truly, you know, I gained so much knowledge and experience and it was such a beautiful moment for me. But if had I got that thing I thought I really, really needed and wanted, I, it, this thing wouldn't have happened. And so it's all very, um, it's really special to be able to look back and see how those opportunities or not weave together to create a very beautiful, um, full um, and exciting career and things like that. So absolutely. It's just the way to look at it <laughs> from good wife. And I also believe a, an appearance on CSI into Mad Men as your very first recurring role on a series. What, what was it like making that move? And, you know, uh, on the one hand, it was a hugely popular show, but also maybe not one that highlighted you and your character as much as it should have. I never, the thing with that, like, okay, I was a recurring that did happen. I was really excited, but I never knew I was a recurring because they never told me you're a recurring. It was literally for the entire time I was there. I would say it was like three years, one episode at a time. They never said, Hey, this season you'll be in five episodes. So I could be like, yes. Okay. This is great. It was always, we're checking your availability for tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I didn't die. They didn't kick me, fire me or kick me out of the office. So I always felt like I was holding my breath um, with that show because they never actually were like, hey, this is the future we have for you, et cetera. So it was always an inch at a time and never knowing if the door was gonna close that moment. So as I think back on the experience, I'm so grateful for it. I learned a lot on that show. Um, I loved watching uh, John Hamm and Christina Hendricks as they, it was a, it was a, it's a very special piece and the time period and all of that. So they were wonderful um, to work with and to watch. But personally, I just always felt like I was on eggshells and like, I, I just never knew, you know what I mean? It's surprising to hear given how many episodes I, I know you wound up doing. And, you know, from my limited perspective with my TV math brain, I just, you know, I equate that to a certain kind of involvement in a show. And it doesn't sound like it was presented to you in that way. No, no, But Dawn was a very special character and she, you know, was the first African-American to integrate that office. And so I knew that was special because I, you know, saw watched the show saw what it what that meant but yeah it was it was an interesting um journey but it was wonderful to work with uh the actors and everybody over there i hear you all right we're gonna go into your very first feature film credit which is it's a big one with with quite the ensemble and you're working with james l brooks directing actually maybe i'll go specifically with working with him as a director because Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's the kind of director who likes to find moments on set, on the spot. So what was it about, you know, his process and approach to the work that maybe is really stuck with you? With Mr. Brooks, we were going to do it until he felt he had it. I, that again, you know, that was my first um, feature film. So I didn't have a clue about a lot of things. And you know, once we got up into take 50 something, I'm just thinking as a young actor who's just out of school, like, okay, this is what it is. You have to have this kind of stamina. This is one scene, take 50 something. And I'm like, okay. Then I look at other people and they're like, 
this is not normal. I said, oh, okay. You know, I don't know. I didn't know a lot of things. And um, it was wonderful to work with Reese. I've been a fan of hers since I, you know, way back in the day. Not way back, you know, she's a young lady. She is. Um, but just such a huge fan of hers. And to be able to work alongside her in my first feature film. And I remember this one moment where we were on the National Mall. So I'm in VC. I got to travel here to work. It's me and Reese and we're, our characters are racing. And so Mr. Brooks is on, I don't know, like an ATV or something with the camera and they're going alongside us. In the script, it says my character wins. So again, my first time really on camera like this. So they say action. I'm like, I got to I got to do well. I got to bring it. He says, action, I take off. Oh, I like, yes. I guess all I hear behind me, stop, cut, cut, cut. I'm like, oh my gosh. I look back, Reese stopped running. She comes up, she says, you can't run past the camera, honey. I was like, oh, 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 okay. I, Ms. Brooks was like, take it again, take it again. But he was a lovely, lovely man. Um, so sweet, so sweet. But I, yeah, I told you all of that. You did not ask for all of that, but yeah. I love it though. I love, I love moments like that. Now I also have to follow up as a big, big Reese Witherspoon fan of all of her earlier films. What's the favorite? Um, I mean, there's definitely Legally Blonde, but what, what was, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Legally Blonde. That's what I knew for sure. Um, around those times. I can't remember the other one, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, There's many. One, I feel like I'm torn between election and cruel intentions. Oh, see, I, I didn't watch cruel intentions at that point. You know, that was very spicy, honey. <laughs> I remember, have you ever seen, I guess this is probably a no, but have you ever seen the movie Fear that she's in with Mark Wahlberg? No, no, no. Uh I'm about to spoil something for you, but I was a teeny tiny child when that movie came out and it was scary. And I'll never forget, there's a point where they, oh, I can't, like, I can't even say this out loud. They chop the dog's head off and they put it through the doggy door and it falls on the floor. And I'm just like, oh, turn it off, run out the room. And that was the end of the movie until I was in my twenties. Yeah, see, mm -mm, I no, I feel you on that. Yeah, I didn't, I wasn't, yeah, no. <laughs> very understandable I feel like I needed some of that advice back when I was tiny <laughs> you have so many other film titles I want to hit but we only have so much time here so maybe having worked with some of the best of the best as far as feature film directors go I mean Spike Lee Barry Jenkins Justin Simeon I can go on and on do you notice any shared traits among the directing greats even when we're talking about people like them who have such unique approaches and styles to their work I mean, aside from what I imagine would be the obvious, like their tenacity and their um, passion and precision, not really. They were all very, very different, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> so the things that I feel as the actor, like working with them, it just felt totally different. But from what you must be a fundamental understanding of who these people are to be in the positions they are in, um, Sure, but no, they were not alike at all, no. In that case, here we can narrow it down to two of them. Of all the directors that you've worked with, is there anyone whose approach to directing their actors is 
right in line with the way you like to work, made you feel so comfortable right out the gate. And then on the other side, is there anyone who had a wildly different approach and challenged you to adapt and maybe for the better? Okay. Okay. Um, so for, um, uh, okay. The, the challenging one was, um, when I worked with Spike, I had to grow immensely and quickly. That was my first time being a lead on a film. And so I was working with trying to craft an entire arc because it wasn't just one scene or two scenes, but from the beginning of a movie to the end. And the script was also in verse and in rhyme. And so there were just a lot of elements. And then you have Spike who is very, particular and like not just do it like this and I'm like wait my process I have to think about it in this way and just like there was dancing that was thrown on me day of in six inch heels and things like that where I had to just say I, I just gotta focus in and do it because ultimately what matters is what I can put in front of that camera so Spike um definitely made me grow up quick fast and get myself together. It was a wonderful um, introduction into what it is and what it may take to be a leading lady. Um, and then, um, so with the director who I felt just spoke to my soul as an actor, I loved working with Ali Leroy on, um, I got the opportunity to work with him on Survivor's Remorse and just, when you're on a show like an episodic, you know, you get different directors and they come in and they have their ideas of what they want to do. And most of it doesn't have anything to do with the actors. Um, but with Ali, I felt like he cared so much about the arc of each of these individual characters and what they needed and what was actually happening between the two humans. And I just remember feeling so safe artistically safe with him and excited to talk about the work and to try new things and he was really really I, I it it's emblazoned in my heart and in my soul and in my artistic spirit like he was wonderful to work with I love hearing about folks making that kind of impression yes All right, we're gonna uh we're gonna kick the marvel door open a little bit here because one thing I was very curious to ask you about with your experience with WandaVision is the chance to, I guess, gain new fans by being a part of such a big franchise like the MCU, because I don't know, maybe this isn't the right term to use, but I feel like it was like, you know, Tiana Paris, the fresh face in WandaVision. And meanwhile, like you've been here for a while and you've done a lot of work. So is having your work in WandaVision looked, looked at like that? Is it frustrating at all? Or is it more of an opportunity to say, you know, like, hey, people will be encouraged to see my past work, even if it is a little late? I don't think I've ever really thought about it, like how people title me or the work. Um, it, I am excited that um, this, the, having the opportunity to be in the MCU will hopefully lead fans to some of my other work that I, I'm, I'm really um proud of but I yeah the titles of like oh fresh faces I will thank you fresh face you know I'll take that 
<laughs> but I mean, yeah, it's like I've definitely been hitting the pavement for like a dec over a decade now. And um, I don't know, it doesn't bother me. I guess you just kind of know it is what it is. But it is kind of nice post WandaVision hearing so many people talk about some of those other titles we brought up and them experiencing it for the first time. So, yeah, yeah. like especially I think the biggest one I've seen has been people connecting that I'm Dawn from Mad Men. I think that's been the most like, oh, snap. I'm like, oh, yeah. Hey, guys. Hey. <laughs> all right. Getting into the audition process of it all here. I was wondering, given the level of the secrecy when it comes to the MCU, at what point in the audition process do you find out exactly who you're up to play and what they're about? Is it the kind of situation where you do get a sense of it right out the gate, or are they even giving you sides that, you know, don't pertain to what you really ended up doing at all? The latter. I, I was given sides that ultimately were a version of the scene between Geraldine and Wanda with the stork and like all of those things happening, Wanda's water breaking and those sorts of things. When someone, when my agent calls and says, hey, we want you to put this MCU uh, Marvel audition on tape, you have a very specific idea of what that will look like. Because I put uh, many Marvel things on tape over the last decade. So when I got it, I was like, huh, I don't understand this. What is, I thought you said something with Marvel and they're like, no, that's it. I'm like, well, I don't understand. And then I thought I was like, I'm just doing too much. And then the notes that they, the director had given was, it's okay to do too much. We realize, you know, it's okay to have this stylized idea, whatever. And I was like, okay. So I did it. I let it go. Part of my process is once you do an audition, once I do one, it's done. It is what it is. I, I have to let it go spiritually and for my mental health, right? So like weeks later, it came back and there my agent was like, um, she, Shauna said, oh, you know, that Marvel thing you went in for, it's looking really good. And I was like, mm, no, she's like, remember the weird thing? I was like, oh, okay. Right. Okay. Tell me more. And then, so she was like, Ah, it looks like you got the part. I was like, oh my gosh, what's the part? Still don't know what the part is. Don't know the project, don't know anything. And they were like, hold on, let me call you back and find out. She calls back. He's like, uh, the little girl from Captain, I, she, she didn't even say it before I said, don't tell me it's Monica Rambo. And she was like, yeah, Monica, the little girl from Captain Marvel. I flew off the handle, so excited. So that's when I found out the character. But I still didn't really know what she was in and the capacity she would be in until months later um, when I went to LA and had this meeting with the creatives. So yeah, then they told me everything, all everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, just so much, just so much. And I burst into tears and was crying. I was like, okay, I'm sorry. Um, and so that's when I found everything out. I have so many follow-up questions and there's no way I'm going to remember them all. I guess first, you did bring up that you had auditioned for other Marvel projects before. Can you yeah. share what any of those are? And could you feel, like even though you didn't really know what the role was, could, could you feel a connection to this particular read more so than those? I, the other Marvel entities, 
it doesn't matter because I'm on WandaVision. That's what matters. There's many things I've auditioned for and I've had to learn to let it go because it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. This was for me. The the I think what has happened in a couple of auditions for me um, throughout my journey is that I feel like the ones where you're like, you know what, I'm gonna just give it what I got. I'll try. They said it's not crazy. It's not doing too much. I'll do what I got. And that's, I have to leave it alone. I feel like the ones where I give that energy of this is who I am. This is what I can offer. And I'm done. And not the ones where I sit and toil over it for five days before I turn it in and that sort of thing. Um, I think it's just that sense of, um, I don't know. It feels like those are kind of the ones that end up coming back around and you're like, what? Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. I'm for it. I'm here for it. So yeah, I just, I looked at it. I read what they said. I tried to follow the notes and I gave my best read on it and it worked out. I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. So you said that a couple of months later, they eventually kind of gave you the download on what you were doing. But we all know that when you join the MCU, it's not just for one project. So when you got that information then, was it just contained to WandaVision or did you, you know, maybe get an early blueprint of what they saw for you moving forward? Oh, no, 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 no blueprint of moving forward. Now, calm down here, Perry. No, no. Um, it was the the plans for um, WandaVision and her journey through this uh, particular property. So that's, uh, and that was overwhelming enough. I don't know if they did say, they didn't, but if they were like, and you're going to be in something else, I... I would still be on the floor somewhere. So that's, I found that out later that they had plans for, um, you know, broadening or extending her journey into the feature film world. When you say later, was it after you shot? Because I imagine it might be a different feeling jumping into a role when you are contained to one show versus, you know, knowing that the door was open in that sense to continue the character. No, we were still filming when they told me, um, but I came into it knowing that these properties that were um, for the television, for Disney Plus, were going to be seamlessly integrated into the feature world. So whether they said it or not, I had plans like, okay, I know there's a possibility. And if, you know, we we're going to create this beautiful journey here and now, and I hope it will be a complete journey for her. And it could also be a launch pad for her into other properties. So I knew that in my heart. And I was praying and wishing and hoping and then it happened. So it was good. <laughs> the best of both worlds with that description you just gave. Complete story, launch pad at the same time. Couldn't have been better. They now really we're focused to just WandaVision now. I wanted to ask you about the unusual production process on this one, because you guys had a pretty big gap in the filmmaking uh, process here. And I know during that period of time, th some things had to change to adhere to, you know, pandemic safety protocol. So how much readjusting did you have to do when you hit the set again? A lot. And honestly, I'm still adjusting. I don't know. It's like, I feel like a, uh, 
a child all over again, learning things that were so simple, like in just in my in my body, you know what I mean? And so like when we got back to filming, because WandaVision was the first thing I filmed in the middle of the, not the middle, but post, we're still in the pandemic, but you know what I'm saying? Um, yep. Since the, the quarantine part of pandemic. And so I remember like we had to rehearse with the masks and I felt kind of discouraged and sad because a part of acting is um, like, you connect, you, 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 I have to see your entire being, or I don't have to see it, but I have to hear you, but you're muffled behind this mask. And then I, I have to, I wanna see what you're giving me in this energy we're sharing. It was, it was very odd. And so we had to, as a group or as individuals, however you wanted to roll, make those decisions of how, you know, how, how did your process need to change to, in order to stay safe and um, abide by the protocol, COVID protocol. So it was, it was a lot. I mean, even now, you know, making a film and a lot of what we do theater, oh gosh, theater is hurting so bad. It's just, it's all such a collective and communal, communal process that it's really hard to have this sort of um, this block, you know, this, ooh, stay six feet away when I'm very much an artsy person and hugs and hey, you know, so it's, it's different. It's been challenging for sure. I'll hope, hope for, for theater later this year. I, I like all the, the recent news that I've been hearing in that sector. Yeah, I saw that Broadway is going to open back up and that's really exciting. And I, 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 but I do hope that it, it's not back to business as usual. Like there are so many things that need to be uh, rectified in that space and looked at. And I hope that this time um, has empowered artists to be able to speak up for themselves and for producers and those, those institutions to realize like their change has to happen. Like it needs to happen and we have to make it a safe space and a welcoming space for all. So we'll yeah. see. I am, I'm eager for that to happen as, as soon as safely possible. Yeah. Going back to the difference between production before and after the shutdown, because I was recently talking to, um, to Emily Van Camp for Falcon and Winter Soldier, and she was explaining how one particular scene that she was supposed to shoot in the second half was like a big crowd scene. And then they pared that down to have it be a more intimate moment. So did you experience anything like that in terms of, you know, the big finish or whatever you guys had left to film? Uh, yes, I'm sure I did. I think they did really well of adjusting, just adjusting. Like there were scenes that were supposed to happen inside. Um, like that scene where the ladies are at lunch in the 50s. It was black and white. Um, it was by the pool now instead of being inside to accommodate for COVID but it was also 130 degrees outside and the sky was orange and the air quality was, or it was just so much trying to deal with because that was when the, the fires were happening in LA. So I, I give them a, a whole lot of credit and, because they really tried hard to, okay, we got to accommodate COVID. Oh snap, we got to accommodate fires and poor air quality and just trying to juggle and maneuver it all. But I definitely, um, scenes changed. Um, 
because of that. I don't think I had, I mean, our finale, a lot of stuff changed and was supposed to happen and couldn't. And so, yeah, but it, yeah. <laughs> Came out excellent in the end. It, it was beyond excellent. I'm so proud to have been a part of it. And I think, I mean, everybody just realizes it's a whole global pandemic. Like we we did what we could in the middle of, in the midst of, un, you know, chartered territory. So it was beautiful and everybody was trying to their best. There really, really was. You, you did, you did what you could. The MCU producers are magicians. And then on top of that, you give a gigantic fan base content that they're craving during a really tough time. And like, I'm not just saying this because you're on the show today, but the, the WandaVision period of time was one of the greatest as far as, you know, lockdown community vibes where we were all stuck at home, but we were sharing this thing at the same time. And there was so much enthusiasm. I, just, I definitely felt that at its peak during this particular show's run. Oh, for sure. And just feeling like the show hit this uh, zeitgeist that allowed it to really connect with the fans because we all were in our own sort of bubble, you know? We all were in different ways dealing with grief and loss because of COVID-19 and not being able to be with loved ones. And you watch this woman journey through her own process of that. And that I think it really was a special moment and that it was once a week, one episode a week, definitely not used to that. Um, so it was a real communal moment, um, a bit of like healing and therapy, therapeutic in a way. Um, yeah. I very much needed it. So let's get into some specifics here. I have a very specific beat I want to ask you about from episode three. The moment where Wanda first says to, I guess, Geraldine at the time that she had a twin because we get a pretty long, you know, no dialogue reaction shot from you where we very much see the wheels in Monica's head turning. So what are the specifics or the guideline maybe from getting her to go from like twin triggered something to actually uttering the word Ultron? Freaking Ultron. Like, did that come out of your mouth, burr? Um, I will say that whole element of how much are they under, how much, how much can um, Monica process while in this bubble, that was always a very delicate dance. And I was always in conversation with, um, or in constant conversation with Matt about like, hey, is it, you know, where are we in the storytelling um, with that aspect of it for, for, you know, the breakthrough that Monica had to have had in order to lucidly and say, to say that thing, it was just very quick, but it happened. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. It definitely, like, it feels like the gut punch that I think it was, it was probably meant to, it is just so incredibly effective. Yeah, it's definitely like a record scratch. Like, what? That doesn't fit. Something is not right. And then um, trying to figure out like, oh, when she recovered, when Monica recovers, is that, I mean, when Geraldine recovers, is that Monica recovering or is that Geraldine just trying to figure out the, um, the specifics of 
each moment, you know? I guess maybe this is more going back to the beginning, but how much backstory do you need about Monica? Because you had mentioned you didn't hear about, you know, her future in the franchise until uh, during production. So when you're prepping to play this character, what burning questions do you need to ask in order to understand where, where her mind is at in terms of dealing with Wanda? Because her method of dealing with Wanda is so completely different than Hayward. So do you need to know what Monica was taught in the past in order to make her assess the situation that way? Yeah. Um, for me, it was, it was about going back to the source material, which is the comics. And I wanted to gather who this woman was in the comics, like personality wise, things like that. And then I had many conversations with Matt about, and Mary Lovanos, um, our producer, about what is she coming in with? Like, we know she was blipped away. That's a whole other trauma or experience to have to process. During that time, her mother was, um, had died. And so, and then, and who was she before then? And we know her mother started um, the, the SWORD organization and, you know, in talking to Jack, our showrunner, like who was Monica in this space, in the sword space before any of this happened? Um, and, and really just having conversations about that and what her responsibilities might've been. And um, yeah. Were there any particular uh, iterations of Monica in the comics that you, you turned to or leaned on most? Um, I really just started from the beginning. And so no, it was just like pulling like her personality. You know what I mean? Like it's because we're we're creating our own version here in the MCU. And so I just wanted to, you know, obviously see what her legacy was and how she navigated through it, um, through the comics. But I, I felt what I could bring to the MCU was like foundations of who this woman is because um, everything else is just kind of hard to do when you you know that's not the story we're telling so I just tried to pull where I could and also looking back on um, Akira Akbar's performance in Captain Marvel 2 and what her relationships were with Maria and Carol and how that childhood um, shapes the woman I am today you know so it was it was things like that as you described that, my mind immediately went back to the, the moment where she, you know, charges through the hex and you, you know, you get a full audio dose of all of that and it connects so well. Yeah, they did a wonderful job. How about the powers of it all? Have they kind of explained, you know, maybe more specifically, I guess, what happened to her body in order for you to physically be able to carry that and, and what she's able to do? Um... We, I can't talk. See, now I'm getting into like, uh, all, right, all right. Okay. I'm like, uh, what we learned in the show is that the, um, the field, the electromagnetic field that Monica was going through is what manipulated her cells. And so that's how she becomes a super powered being. What she can do, we saw that she could use her body as energy to turn it into, um, transform it into energy and she slowed down some bullets. Um, 
<laughs> I think that what we've seen is what we know she can do up until now. You play in the game very well right now. And, and I was so free. And now here you come with stuff where I'm like, oh man, okay. I don't think I can talk about that. Here's a power thing I think you can answer. And it's going to sound kind of silly, but, okay. but what was it like figuring out Monica's superhero landing pose? Because that's, that's such an iconic thing in any superhero movie. And she does it multiple times in this. And I feel like I see her getting stronger at it every time she does it. Uh, I mean... First of all, let's talk about superhero landings and takeoffs. Watching Paul and Lizzie perfect what in real life looks, it looks pretty odd, you know? <laughs> like It's very odd looking, but watching them, it's so amazing. Like watching them just do it, like it's a part of normal, like, I don't know how to explain this, but they just, they just do it. They do something with their body and their legs and their feet. And then they start the scene, right? It's not even on like wires and shit. Sorry, wires. Um, so I watch them like, oh, oh, okay. Okay. I see. I see. Okay. Maybe I could try something like this, but then with my landing with Monica's landing in front of Wanda's yard, it was an interesting thing because we, me, Jack, Matt, and Mary went back and forth about how much could Monica control what was happening to her at each point in her journey. Um, and so there we felt there were different iterations of what that was, but what it ultimately became was she's gathered herself. She can, to some degree, contain like Wanda's has been throwing her around all season and in this moment she she can fight back in a sense and that's just to protect herself so she lands instead of being thrown um like we've seen a couple of times and so it ultimately it was like what is the story here and then once we figured out the story is she can kind of she's got some handle on it on this energy being uh thrown at her, um, then, you know, I was like, let me work on this. Uh, let me work on this landing here. <laughs> you nail it. And I, I love seeing, uh, you know, story and character development come through something that might, you know, at least seem kind of like surface level and a thing you just throw into a superhero project. It's not, it's got more value than that. Yeah, no. And Matt definitely was very uh, cognizant and conscious and intentional in making sure that it was all first based in story um yeah in their arcs and their journeys here's another I guess kind of silly one for you but you need to tell me everything about finding out about the Ralph Boner line and the fact that you would be the one to deliver it <laughs> I but I think we did some of that scene pre-pandemic and then I think the rest was, I don't remember. I don't remember. But yeah, that changed a couple of times too. It wasn't always that. Yeah, I found out and I was like, okay, okay. But it wasn't always Ralph Boner? No, no. And even on the day, there was another option. I might've said it for the camera. Like, they're like, just throw this in just in case. But I can't remember what it was were they all like like joking kind of names like funny sounding names none topped boner i'll tell you that <laughs> that was very like 
all right we're going for the boner okay yeah or boner or whatever we say um yeah none top that <laughs> all right i can't not ask you about candy man and okay. the way i want to get up that is what was it about uh nia DaCosta's work on candy man that made you think she is something special this movie is going to be great and also she's going to crush it on a big scale movie like the marvels right um, I actually was a fan of Nia's when I saw Little Woods, um, and I loved it. I thought it was beautiful and, um, quiet and it, it I loved what it, the storyline was about. So I was a fan of hers just from having seen that. And so then when Candyman came, so Nia, I actually, okay. I'll be getting into stuff you didn't ask me. Anyways, oh, I met oh, Nina at a- I'm a huge fan of hers. So the more we okay. can talk about her, the better in my book. Right, so I, I, I saw a Little Woods, but then I was doing a play in downtown theater, New York, and came out exhausted, completely exhausted, and a beautiful woman, it was Nia, and uh, another uh, guy was there, Nathan Stewart Jarrett. He, they come up to me. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And he's like, oh, you know, you, we enjoyed your work. Da, 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 da. He's like, my friend, she is a director. She's awesome. You should reach out to her. Now, we've all heard this before, right? Meanwhile, Nia's standing off to the side like, hi. I didn't recognize her face or anything like that. I just didn't. And oh, yes, uh, Nathan Stewart Jarrett. And so I didn't recognize her face or anything. So I was like, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm like, okay, thank you. I hope, you know, she's like, yeah, I'm doing this little film. I would love to have you come in. I'm like, okay. Nathan's like, she is being modest. Okay. It's Candyman or whatever. I don't know if he said Candyman, but he basically was bigging up his friend and I just started laughing. And that was my first interaction with Nia and Nathan. And then in Candyman, Nathan and I end up playing brother and sister. And Nia was just such, I just love her point of view. I love her, her sensibilities, like her visual sensibilities. And, um, She's so smart. And I, I, I'm, yeah, I, I mean, I was excited to work with her then. And then when I heard about the Marvels that she was, <laughs> I mean, it's history. She's making history and she's amazing. And I can't wait for all the world to see all of the awesomeness that is Nia DaCosta. I don't know how small of a production Candyman is, but I imagine it's small in comparison to a Marvel movie. So is there anything about a more intimate production that she could keep intact when you move on to the bigger things as far as, you know, prep and her way of working with her actors goes? Well, I don't know about her prep. I wasn't privy to that aspect of her process, but as far as her actors, I feel like she took and has taken, even as we've built started building towards the marvels great care to hear you know and to um like our feedback on who this character is what story we're trying to tell and finding ways to I mean most of the time when I say hey I'm thinking this she's already thought it and is thinking it and has been working on ways she was like yeah yeah I was going to get to that there's this this and this that I'm thinking about for that moment I'm like oh well okay so I love that uh, you know, that she's always thinking ahead and that I always feel very welcome to go and talk with her and to hash out um, 
story points and character arcs and development. I am so excited for her. I'm so excited for both of you. And I'm just so, I like, I can't. No, I'm excited can't for her, for real. For Candyman. It's like, <laughs> it's, about, it's about time. And I'm so thankful <laughs> that it's finally coming out. And it's going to be on the big screen where it should be. So I'm here in August, August, August. I'm very, I'm very impatient, but in that particular case, I will happily wait for it to be on the big screen. <laughs> All right, we have come to the end of ladies night. We have two things to do. First, I'm gonna have you assemble a dream team here. I got three questions to figure this out. First okay. one is, you get the opportunity to live in the TV show of your choice. What show do you pick and why? To live in it? Ooh. Has no one asked you that question during the entire WandaVision journey? Mm -mm. It's been, what would you take like to a desert island or what do you want to watch? And that's a different experience than being in it. And you got to live in this show. Yeah, because, you know, I would have said, if you said, what do you want to take and watch? I would have said Game of Thrones, but I don't want to be living in that time. No, no, no. So this is actually kind of difficult. Oh man, Perry, I, I don't know like where I would want to live it. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that has other implications, but I, I the Cosby show, the Cosby show. I love what that was for uh, the black, the African-American community. And it feels pretty safe to be black in that space. And um, in like a wonderful loving environment. So I would say, yeah. Or, okay, now that I've got my wheels going, or um, a different world, you know, they're in college and that's fun. So one of those worlds okay. I, would, I would jump into. Now we got to give you a character in one of those worlds. You can make up a character if you want, but where, where would you want your character to fit in? Okay, can I be young like Raven Simone was <laughs> and I get to be like, her cousin or something olivia's cousin um that's what i would do in that world now the third and final question building your little dream team here you can take three other co-stars with you and cast them in the roles of your choice who are you taking with you and why from wandavision okay um let me see paul's gotta come who, who is paul gonna be paul's gonna be oh well i make him what do you see I just flung? Okay, sorry. Um, Paul will be, is he going to be young, like a kid with me? Or maybe he'll be uh, one of Theo's friends, Paul. He'll, he'll be like a teenage version of Paul. Uh, let's see, Catherine, she, um, she can be... Uh, uh, Catherine might have, I don't know. She she's hilarious. Okay, wait, let me put. Oh man, I'm I'm a mess. Okay. Uh oh, it's too good. Okay. Okay. Catherine can come and she's gonna be like a uh 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 co-worker of my mom's of um yes, okay, and of Felicia Rashad's it or the character, freaking. It's just lost my head. But anyways, she'll be a, a co-worker of hers. And then Lizzie can be, Lizzie can be one of my playmates, me and Olivia. She can hang with us and she'll be 
like the friend getting us into trouble and stuff because I want to see her like just be bad. And then was that everybody or you you got three? You can add more if you want. Oh, I'm like, because I have to have like Kat and Randall. Um, who who could Kat be? Kat could be um she would oh we have to come up with something good i don't know i give up okay i got three i got three but i, I would want them all in the world with me understandable all right we always end ladies night with the same two questions first one is can you name someone who is changing this industry for the better michaela cole i'm such a fan of her work it's just edgy is oh it's beautiful it's raw um I I'm I'm a fan fan. And she called people out that need to be called out. I love how you didn't even need a moment to think about that. Uh, did you see I may destroy you? Like changed my world. Oh my gosh. It's so good. So, anyways, I'm very <laughs> proud of her. I don't know her at all, but yeah, her. Last one here. It's a heavy one. You could take it in a lighter direction if you prefer. What is the biggest fear that you've ever had that you've actually managed to overcome? I don't know. I feel like I don't, I try not to operate in the space of fear. Like, even if it comes up, like changing the language around it so that it doesn't manifest into a full-fledged fear. You know, um, there's been so much that I have been afraid of, uh, you know, but I don't know. I don't feel, I feel like it's like you, I just try to change my mind frame around it. Um, I don't know. Okay, I guess maybe I could say something like, I mean, I'm not afraid of heights. I was gonna say like I, I jumped out of an airplane, but I, I'm not afraid of heights. It was scary, but it was it's not a fear. I don't know. I want to say something better, but I can't think of anything. I actually really respect that non-answer to it though. Like okay. I think that's probably a better way to to look at answering this question in in general. <laughs> I mean, it really is an answer to the question. It's it's okay. an approach for overcoming something that could be a fear. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. Yes. I, I like that very much. And I also love that you went skydiving. I did. I did. As um, soon as I got my degree, my mom said I could go because I tried to go in college. And she was like, <laughs> no. And then she said, when I get my degree, which was my degree, um, she said it was hers. But anyways, um, she said I could go. And so I went and I jumped and I don't think I'll do it again. I would because when you're actually coming down, it's actually so very peaceful. It is so beautiful. Um, but getting up there to jump, mm -mm, that's, that's no thanks. So no, skydiving, no skydiving again, but would I, you, would you do I've bungee jumping? I've always wanted to bungee jump. But now that I'm older, you know, life be so fragile. I'm like, what if the core do this? I had a lot less fear in my youth. And so I probably would if I was like, okay, let me, I'm a, I would do it. I wouldn't say no. And I would actually skydive again, but I'm not, like if it came up, I'm not running to go do it, you know? I highly recommend going twice. It's a good time. And I recommend bungee jumping. It's, yeah. I, I went once once in college and once after college, and I would do it again in the heartbeat. Yeah, it's pretty bomb. It's so nice. It's that part. It's the, the scariest part was 
the little ass plane because I don't know why in my mind I thought I was getting on like jet blue and nice smooth ride up and then I was going to jump out. Oh, no, it was like a crop plane with no damn door. It had a door, but it's just shaking, shaking. And I'll sit no chairs and I'm huddled in the corner like, what did I get myself into? Then the door slams open. And I just remember seeing my best friend go. Shoo. I said, never mind, never mind, never mind. Oh, gosh, but I did it. I did it. So you got to do it again because you, you got to embrace higher, higher, faster, further. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Right. You got to get on that. Tiana, I have kept you way past our time. You're too easy to talk to. And I'm so excited about all the stuff you accomplished and everything you have coming your way right now. So huge congratulations on WandaVision and everything else. And thank you so much for hanging out with us on Ladies Night. Thank you so much. Bye, you guys. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.